Hello and welcome to the Field Talk Podcast, brought to you by the Linder Farm Network, the voice of Minnesota agriculture. I'm your host, Dan Lemke. As companies across the globe move to reduce their carbon footprint, numerous programs have emerged with the intention of paying farmers for sequestering or reducing carbon. One program called the Soil and Water Outcomes Fund rewards farmers for the outcomes they deliver in both carbon reduction and water quality improvements. The Soil and Water Outcomes Fund is a partnership of Ag Outcomes and Reharvest Partners. Adam Keel is Executive Vice President of Ag Outcomes, a subsidiary of the Iowa Soybean Association. Yeah, so the Soil and Water Outcomes Fund is a carbon and water quality ecosystem service program that operates in about 10 states. And the Outcomes Fund is kind of co-managed by two entities. One of those is Ag Outcomes, which is a subsidiary of the Iowa Soybean Association. So that brings our kind of commodity group background and farmer first mentality to this carbon program. And the other entity that helps um, manage the Soil and Water Outcomes Fund is Reharvest Partners. And they help with bringing uh, impact capital to the program and allows us to do some pretty interesting payments to farmers that gives them some upfront working dollars to buy cover crop seeds or make um, planter adjustments or things they need to do uh, rather than having to wait for that carbon payment that's pretty typical in other programs. We provide some upfront money and we're able to do that through our partnership with Reharvest Partners. So what is the the goal? I know you're looking both at uh, water quality uh, improvements, I understand, as well as some of the carbon related topics. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what the goal uh, of this whole uh, entity is. Yeah, so we're really trying to work with farmers to uh, improve their sustainability. And that's measured in a couple different ways. Water quality is one of them. And within that, we focus on working with farmers to reduce nitrogen and phosphorus losses. Uh, And then on the other side, we look at carbon. Uh, Carbon is kind of a generalized term. Um, We're looking at two things related to carbon. Soil carbon uh, sequestration. So that's taking CO2 out of the atmosphere and putting it in the soil and hopefully keeping it there. Uh, The other thing we look at is nitrous oxide reduction. So that's reducing the emissions that result from the use of Uh, fertilizer products and the processes that occur in the soil. So trying to reduce um, nitrous oxide emissions while taking CO2 from the atmosphere and putting it in the soil. So those, all those things combined, water and the the carbon components are all um, quantified using uh, a pretty robust data collection process and modeling process and soil and water sampling. And then farmers are paid Um, based on the amount of those things they uh, reduce or improve. So if a farmer is able to greatly reduce their nitrogen and phosphorus loss and put a lot of CO2 in the soil, their payment's going to be higher than someone that's just making minor changes and and having minor improvements. So who's eligible? Who do you work with in in your program? We really work on... Um, putting together payment scenarios for farmers with a mix of different customers of ours. So uh, we don't go and work with farmers anywhere. Uh, We really need to have 
someone committed to purchasing their outcomes before we go work with a farmer. Uh, that's why we're not in North Dakota uh, today. Uh, but right now we work across, uh, as I mentioned, 10 states. Uh, that's mostly Iowa and all the way to the East Coast. So Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, et cetera. Um, so we, we only enter into agreements with farmers when we have someone who's committed to purchasing the environmental outcomes they produce. So it's not speculative. It's, it's a guaranteed payment if a farmer follows through with the terms of their contract. And we hear a lot about uh, the, the carbon sequestration and the challenges valuation. You said you have a pretty robust system there. Touch on that if you would. Yeah, so we collect from uh, each farmer and from each field uh, uh, what we call a historical baseline of their operations. So what have they been planting? What op every operation they've been doing in that field for the past full length of ro rotation um, we need to know what the tillage was, what the fertilizer application rates were, what crops were planted. Um, we tell a farmer anytime you do anything in that field, that kind of uh, operational data is needed in order to run these uh, advanced models that we do. So that, that operational data for the baseline is combined with what farmers are telling us they're going to do, you know, into the future. So they're telling us, hey, I'm I was doing um, conventional till, I'm willing to go to no-till or strip till, and I'm also willing to add cover crops. Farmers add that future operational data as well. And those two kind of historical and forward-looking data sets, we then um, push through to USDA supported models that help us quantify what the benefits are. And it's those benefits then that are then monetized and a payment is presented to the farmer for those benefits. So you said you do this when you have, you know, buyers and people willing to, uh, uh, you know, put money towards that. I guess who's interested? Who are you uh, finding is looking to uh, to put money towards a program like this? Yeah. So when we work, we we usually have two different types of customers. Uh, one that's interested in the kind of the carbon benefits, uh, and we're seeing that being mostly um, agricultural and food and beverage type companies. Um, those companies that. Uh, work in ag um, or have, um, you know, the products that farmers produce in a company's supply chain. Those are really the, the top uh, customers of ours today. Um, that ranges from Pepsi, Ingredient, Cargill, Nutrient Ag Solutions, BASF, those kind of um, ag-related or food and beverage type companies are really interested in uh, ways that they can bring down their emissions and farmers um, are kind of in, or they kind of are, they are in a company's um, greenhouse gas footprint calculation. So everything from, uh, you know, farm to store shelf needs to be accounted for when a company is doing a greenhouse gas evaluation. So these companies need farmers as much as farmers need these companies. Uh, and that holds true with the carbon purchase commitment. On the water side, it tends to be mostly governments that are interested in water quality outcomes today. We do see that changing in a few years as companies have more water quality commitments. Um, right now, everybody's focused on carbon. So that's where a lot of the attention is going. But I do expect companies to have more uh, 
or additional environmental commitments like water, like biodiversity and other things in the coming years. Uh, but right now we, we typically have a mix of municipal, state, federal governments that are interested in the water quality outcomes that we're producing. Now you hear a lot about you know the the whole carbon market being kind of the wild west out there. Just uh, you know a lot of different approaches that companies and and folks are taking. Um, yep. How is this program working? How long have you guys been operational? What kind of responses have you had? As uh, you know, it sounds like your approach is a little bit different than than some are taking. Yeah, we're taking a pretty calculated approach in in where we um, grow and expand. Uh, that that makes us a little different than some of the other carbon programs out there. And it's unfortunate that, you know, you hear the term Wild West, but um, I can't control what others do. Um, as I mentioned, we pride ourselves on guaranteeing that farmers can receive a payment if they follow through with a contract, right? We're not speculating that we'll find a customer for their product. We have one. Um, so farmers aren't waiting, to, you know, months or sometimes years uh, to receive a payment from us. They're, they're receiving that every year they participate. Um, you know, other things in the, in the carbon space that gets this Wild West term going is everybody does it a little differently. Everybody's got, you know, different requirements to participate. Um, you know, one of those and the big one is additionality. I hear that talked about quite a bit. And additionality is what's required of a farmer to participate in terms of changing a practice. So uh, most companies uh, are gonna be, if they're not there already, requiring that when farmers enter these programs, they make a, a change to their operation that results in a positive benefit. That's something that we've required from day one. Uh, and it it's just a, that's where the carbon market is going to be if it's not there already. So might as well, you know, be upfront with farmers and help them understand what additionality means and how you can work with that on the farm. What kind of response are you getting from from farmers? Are there obviously some that are willing to uh, to jump in? Others probably have some hesitancy. I guess what's kind of the the tipping point for a lot of growers? Is it the the guaranteed? Uh, you know, payment, uh, also the, kind of the clarification on what it is that's expected of them or what kind of, what kind of puts them over the edge, I guess. Yeah, you know, the other thing I didn't mention is we have a one-year contract with a yearly renewal. So that really puts farmers kind of at peace of mind. You know, you might have other programs that have 10 or 20-year contracts. Um, that's probably not realistic in the type of agriculture that, that we see in the, in the Midwest. Um, and, you know, the land tenure uh, challenges that we have uh, in the Midwest as well. So uh, to answer your question about what puts farmers over the top, I think it's, you know, a combination of, of a few things. One is that we're uh, really trying to work with farmers to figure out what's going to work best within their operation. We're not trying to, you know, get them to do something that they're not comfortable with. Uh, we've got a team of conservation agronomists that really works with farmers and figures out what's gonna work best um, and, and try to uh, build a, a contract and a program around what those farmers are willing to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of things out there that farmers could do, but probably isn't in the comfort zone of too many um, yet today. So uh, we can work towards that, but um, you know, take some baby steps along the way and generate some positive environmental benefits and do that in a 
you know, fairly farmer friendly contract with, um, you know, a year to year revision if we need to. And a lot of things that you mentioned are, are certainly different than many of the programs out there. Is that you know, something that you view as uh, key to the sustainability of the, it, it's, you know, it seems a little more palatable for growers. It seems like the, you know, it's a bit more locked, locked down, if you will. Um, so there's maybe some, uh, a few less uncertainties for, for a grower to ponder getting involved in something. Yeah, the last thing I want to do is get a grower into something that they don't know what they're doing. Um, that's not going to work out well for anybody. Um, so, you know, again, we want to make sure that farmers are clear about what they're entering into, what they're being asked to do, what are the downside risks and upside potential. Those are all things that, um, you know, farmers need to be clear about. And we're, we try to be as transparent as we possibly can for farmers who are looking to participate. And, you know, that's not always the case. Um, you know, one thing is farmers should know who's purchasing their outcomes, you know, from us. You know, is that, are they producing something that's being bought by Cargill or Pepsi or who that end customer is? And uh, we make that pretty uh, upfront and clear. It's on our website, who's purchasing these outcomes. So, you know, that's not the case in every program. That's just one example of, uh, you know, things that uh, could be done on these program side to make it clear and transparent and easily understandable for the farmer. Now, you mentioned you operate in, in 10 states, but uh, certainly some states that you don't operate in. Do you see a program like this expanding? And is this something that uh, growers need to keep an eye on because there could be a potential for some uh, opportunity for them to participate? Yeah, uh, most definitely. I, I think, um, you know, if I was going to advise growers in an area where we don't currently operate, and that, like I mentioned, that includes North Dakota, we don't currently operate in North Dakota. I would advise farmers to first, you know, if you don't have good records, you know, that's probably something to work towards is a good farm data management system, whether that's, you know, through John Deere or climate or whatever system you decide to use. Uh, that's just going to make entry into these programs much easier when you're ready and when they're available. But um, our, our goal with the Soil and Water Outcomes Fund is to hopefully reach about a million acres in um, 2023. So, you know, we're at 120-ish thousand acres today. That's a tenfold increase from where we were just a, a year ago. So we're happy with our growth. But uh, as I mentioned, we really want to try to reach more farmers and more states. And, and uh, you know, that's going to hopefully grow as demand for these environmental outcomes and specifically carbon grows uh, and we're, we're not seeing that slowing down uh, anytime soon, no matter what happens in in DC. Uh, these corporations have made commitments that they're going to have to hold themselves to in some capacity. So where can folks go to learn more about what it is that you offer, whether or not they so you know, necessarily are in an area that, uh, that qualifies, but it's certainly good information and, and probably a good way to see what's perhaps coming down the pike and a good way to understand what the, the future might hold. Where should they go? Yeah, if they want to learn more about the Soil and Water Outcomes Fund, they can just go to our website. It's um, www.theoutcomesfund.com. Uh, and on there, you can you know, reach out to us and ask us questions. We're happy to help even if you're not in an area that we currently operate. Um, you know, As I mentioned, our roots go back to the Iowa Soybean Association. So no matter if we're 
working farmers that are directly in the program or providing advice to other farmers who are not currently in an eligible area kind of see that as our as our role in in working for farmers. Um, so I'd, I'd say that uh, visit our website and just continue to monitor uh, some of these developments and I'm sure farm news and you know publications are going to continue to highlight the best they can you know what some of the carbon and ecosystem markets uh, are doing uh, as they continue to grow and expand. Awesome, Adam. Anything else you want to add before we uh, call it a morning? No, I think that's great. I just appreciate the interest. And I know farmers can get kind of frustrated and throw their hands up with some of these carbon programs. And um, just know that I think uh, farmers are in a good position to uh, increase you know, conservation and sustainability on the farm and, and um, you know, receive some level of compensation for that, for that work um, from a very, very number of sources. So I guess, uh, you know, keep your ears and eyes open and uh, let's go on this journey together and see where we can get. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Field Talk. Check out our other podcasts, newsletter, and videos on linderfarmnetwork.com and tune into your local Linder Farm Network affiliate for the latest in farm news and information.